Hey, Blair. What's going on? Not much. I'm just working on my first inside NASA assignment. Oh, NASA 101. Yeah, in fact, I'm uh, beta testing the geocaching activity. Geocaching? Yeah, geocaching. I thought you knew what that was. It's pretty simple. It's uh, basically a high-tech scavenger hunt. Well, I know what geocaching is, but why are they letting you do it? It's going to be pretty challenging. Oh, oh no, it's simple. I found several geocaches on the internet within a three-mile radius, and uh, I'm setting out to find them now. Well, it, it says right here that uh, the five caches are within a 12-mile radius. Oh, you're probably making the classic mile-kilometer error. Hold on. No, in fact, it's actually a 28-mile radius smack dab in the middle of the dismal swamp. Okay, let me see that. You know, Chris, you disappoint me. You feel threatened by my soon-to-be-heralded insider status. I'm going to knock these caches out before you finish your run. Whatever. Well, happy trails. Don't forget, we're shooting Friday. Of course. Hey, have fun. See you on the other side. Uh, the battery's fine. I played Pac-Man for two hours, and it's still working just fine. I just... Insanity. What's going on? I I got the buttons off. So. Oh, Morty. I wonder what day it is. Oh my goodness. Welcome to NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. I'm your stand-in co-host, Franklin. Where's Blair? Uh, he called and said he'll be a little late. Um, it's something about uh, he got lost. Got lost? Yeah, I think it had something to do with a geocache. Uh... Well, about three days ago, he went out on this geocache expedition and... I guess was trying to find some of these travel bugs. I mean, that was three days ago. There's no way he could have been geocaching for those three days. Oh, absolutely. You can have... Uh... No, no, no. I got it. Yeah. Got it. Right here. What, what are you doing? Hey, Blair. What are you doing? We're live on the set, on yes. the show. And inside and outside, look at all things NASA. Chris, how are we doing today? What's... Uh, it's... Why are you late? No. Am I late? Oh, um, the show started rolling about two minutes yeah. ago. No, I know. Okay, I was late. But actually, he was doing a good job as a co-host. Uh, I'd never question his talent. All I'm saying is <laughs> I, the, the, the technology thing. I just got a little a little freaked out this weekend on the whole uh, geocache thing. It was a little rough, but... Uh, You've been geocaching for the last three days? Um, actually, I stopped geocaching about three days ago. I, I got some sketchy uh, data on the old uh, GPS and... Uh, I didn't throw it out, but I almost did a couple times. But no, I'm fine now. It just gave me some crazy stuff. I couldn't find Well, did you check anything. the weather before you went out? Uh, yeah, it was like sunny. It was perfect. What Beautiful. about what about space weather? <laughs> Chris, 
Going to Chesapeake, Virginia. <laughs> I mean, not going into orbit or anything, you know. I mean, Franklin, obviously, he's still on the outside of NASA. Yeah, and he's he's not he's not with it yet. Absolutely. Yeah, if you I, get lost in Chesapeake, Virginia, you are clearly on the outside. No. Well, do, do you realize that sometimes when you're using electronic equipment, if you have space weather such as solar storms or CMEs, that could affect um, your equipment? No. Really? That's that's interesting. I didn't have that in the manual. I tell you what, here's what we'll do. Manual, you, actually. Ron, Ron. If, if you could do us a favor, go ahead and contact Dr. Nikki Fox from Goddard. I, no, no, I'm fine. Uh, I'm no, physically, no, no, no. Uh, Dr. I've been Nick, checked out. Contact Dr. Nikki Fox. We're going to explain to you all about space weather. Oh, And space what we'll weather. do is let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, Franklin will share the news. Okay. And hopefully we'll get Dr. Nikki Fox on the line and we'll Let, let me just clarify. So you're suggesting, this is your, your positing, your uh, theorizing, your speculating, your announcing, your declaring. Whatever. That uh, somehow space weather is related to the problem I have with my GPS and possibly cell phone. I think there's a good possibility. There's a very good possibility. Oh, well. All right. Well, let's let's wait and hear from Dr. Nikki Fox. Sorry for the short break, but you're watching NASA Edge. Uh, an inside... An outside look at all things NASA. <laughs> yeah. What a moron. Yeah, a real outside look at this point. Uh, outside look from in. Welcome back to NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. You, you got D up, man. Uh, <laughs> look, sorry. I, look, let's just go on with the show. I got to... All right, well, so, Ron's still trying to get a hold of uh, Nikki Fox uh, for an interview on space weather. So before, while Ron's doing that, let's go ahead and talk with Franklin, and he'll tell us the news. Bail me out with the news, Franklin. Okay, in the news, NASA issued a request for proposal for the Ares-1 launch vehicle upper stage element. Ares-1 is the launch vehicle that will transport Orion, the Orion crew exploration vehicle and its crew into low Earth orbit. Yeah, check it out, Franklin. Uh, better than that, we got an actual, uh, what is this, a 3600, 486,9000th model? <laughs> scale for this mathematically challenge this is actually yeah. a 1 100 scale 100th. model of the Ares 1 launch vehicle 1 100th scale Franklin with or, the Orion spacecraft on top or, there. Or we'll just call it small yeah well or, yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> continuing on the topic of exploration I have to tell you about a NASA insider Blair uh, I recently met while working. I'm an insider uh, no 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 I'm just trying oh you're to telling emphasize. me yeah gotcha. he's an insider uh, while I was working with NASA's Office of Education in Charlotte North Carolina I met astronaut, administrator, pilot, and officer, Major General Retired Charles Bolden Jr. Wow. Besides both of us being Marines and NASA insiders, we are both members of the same fraternity on Mega Sci-Fi. Wow. That makes two-thirds of us insiders <laughs> yeah. and yes, one-third yes. outsiders. Yet another obstacle for me to overcome to become you, an insider. You, you, you're going to be fine. Don't yeah. worry about okay, it. Okay, good. It's coming good. soon. Okay, great. Um, it, was a ple- it, it was a pleasure to meet with the general as he taught students from elementary school to college about NASA and the importance of science, technology, engineering, and math. You can read more about General Bolden and other astronauts on the NASA website at www.nasa.gov. On NASA's website, there is an excellent page called This Month in Exploration. And during the month of March, there are quite a few historical tidbits to keep you busy as you explore NASA's future, present, and passed. Excellent. March 2nd, 1972, guys, check 72. this out. NASA launched the Pioneer 10 space probe, the first spacecraft to capture close-range images of Jupiter and the first to travel outside of our solar system, hey, the first. Hey, another outsider. I can relate. To, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Uh, that's right. Me and Pioneer 10. Sorry. And I don't have a model, so I'm yeah, sorry. sorry. That's okay. Um, 
You got me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pioneer it, 11. <laughs> it, it carried a, a plaque of a coded message that, in, that any scientifically educated society would be able to translate. Its final signal was sent Just to like Earth. Just like me. <laughs> its final signal was sent to Earth in January 2003, and it is currently more than 8 billion miles away from Earth. That is just one of many outstanding facts you'll find at this month in exploration on the NASA website. So, guys, check it out. Eight million uh, miles. That's, that's billion, pretty impressive. Billion, eight, billion eight, miles. Eight billion miles. I uh, wonder when the wa- warranty ran out on that one. <laughs> I mean, it can't be. Well, Frank, Franklin, thank you for the news. Uh, I think, uh, according to Ron, we have uh, Dr. Nikki on the line. So, let's go ahead and take a break. And yep. when we come back, uh, Franklin, you and I can talk more about space weather with Dr. Nikki Fox. Perfect. Right, right. here on NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. Welcome back to NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. I think uh, Ron has Dr. Nikki Fox uh, on the line. Perfect, which, uh, as you know, I need all the help I can with uh, the sun. <laughs> hey, Dr. Fox, how are you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. Hey, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Uh, we're trying to uh, bring Blair more to the inside and teach him all about the sun and space weather. Uh, unfortunately, he had a, a slight problem uh, this well, morning. Well, I don't, I don't want to overdo it. I mean, I, I just got lost with my GPS this weekend, <laughs> and it was due to some solar activity. I mean, this, is, this can be common, right? Well, that's true, and, and maybe, uh, Dr. Fox, you can kind of teach him more about the sun and all about space weather. Yes. Oh, great. Perfect. Well, first thing, uh, you know, as I said, I was in this sort of traumatic experience this weekend with the uh, GPS, uh, and uh, uh, let's talk a little bit about the relationship in this, between the sun and the earth. Uh, is it a close relationship? Yes, it's a very close relationship. Um, the sun has a, an atmosphere which it's continually streaming away, and it's, we like to say whenever the sun sneezes, the earth will catch a cold. Wow, that's gross. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any way we can stop this, this uh, germ-spreading uh, star at the center of our solar system? Yes, well, fortunately, we have a protective outer layer, um, maybe our, our Kleenex layer, which is uh, the, the Earth's magnetosphere. It's the magnetic atmosphere that surrounds our planet, and that manages to keep away most of those harmful germs or that, that high radiation that would be coming from the sun at all the time. And that's, that's why we're safe down here on the planet. Um, when you're at solar maximum, you're seeing these, these storms very frequently, um, maybe as many as two or three in a month. Um, down at solar minimum, you're probably around one every two months, and mm. they're much smaller. Okay. Say, Dr. Fox, are there any uh, adverse effects on the Earth's surface if the uh, Earth's magnetosphere does not, the Kleenex does not catch all of that sneeze? That also is very gross. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really nervous now. That's, that's what happened to me this weekend. Well, no, but fortunately we are very well protected because of the, the various layers of our atmosphere do a very good job at protecting us. However, anything that's out in space, for example, satellites um, will see effects because of this increased radiation that that can come in around them. One of the most beautiful um, side effects of of these sneezes is, in fact, you will see very beautiful aurora or the northern and southern light. This this uh, brings me up uh, brings up a very interesting issue. I, I have to ask you a favor. I, after going through this sort of uh, situation this week, weekend, I came up with a new term that I think uh, applies here in the aurora situation or the magnetosphere situation. And and I was hoping maybe you could maybe adopt it in the uh, space weather program. And that is uh, magnetosphereance. 
That, that's great. I love that. Okay, no, that, that's an endorsement. She, she said that's great. See, I'd like to see that used in space weather forecast. Is that possible? Do we even have space weather forecasts? There are space weather forecasts. They're, they're put out by uh, NOAA, the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration. There we go. Okay. Um, and they have a space weather center, um, which is located in Boulder in Colorado, oh. and they are responsible for putting out those space weather forecasts. Okay. Oh, wonderful. I've been there. Well, we, we, maybe we can talk to them. Maybe you and I can talk later about uh, getting them to use magnetospherence. Yeah, well, a, I'll put that high on my list of things to oh, do today. Excellent. And, and another term that uh, Blair did. insider. Well, another term that Blair didn't want to bring up, but I have to bring it up, is that he wanted to come up with a new term for CME or coronal mass ejection. He just doesn't like that word. Yeah, it makes me nervous. It makes him nervous. Is there yeah. a way that you can kind of calm him down and convince him it's a... Well, it's, it's a very straightforward expression. It's just explaining exactly what's happening. Um, the, Earth, the, uh, the sun's outer atmosphere, the corona, every now and again ejects large blobs of plasma, and they, they have a mass, so they are coronal mass ejections. What about sunbolt? Um, I, pre- I preferred magnetospherence. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Oh, ma- well, uh, perfect. <laughs> I'm cutting my losses. I'll take magnetosphere and we'll go from there. You, maybe solar storms. Are you okay. more comfortable with that? There we oh, go. Solar Good. storm sounds cool. I, I like that. Well, uh, Dr. Fox, I want to thank you very much for taking the time again to uh, come out and, and give Blair a lesson and yes. bring him more on the inside and learn all about the sun. I still feel like I have a lot of work to do, but uh, you've okay. definitely pointed me in the right direction. Oh, there's, there's always things to learn about the sun. That's what's great about being a solar scientist. It's a different, it's a different star every day. And if there's ever an event, the, a huge CME or, or a huge sneeze that comes by that we need to know about, could you give us a call? Definitely. Oh, uh, zoom tight. God <laughs> <laughs> bless you. Absolutely. Well, uh, have a great day, Dr. Fox. Dr. Fox, I just want to thank you so much uh, for speaking with us today and, and certainly enlightening me about all things sun-related. Uh, I need a lot of help and uh, at least to understand, understand things a little better about this weekend. So I appreciate that. No problem. I'm glad I could help. And I just want to let you know, every time we start sneezing, we're going to think about the sun. <laughs> yeah, and Dr. Well, Nikki Fox. And Dr. Nikki Fox, absolutely. <laughs> so. Yeah, and incidentally, uh, I will uh, credit you for uh, using uh, magnetospherence. I appreciate that. And uh, we'll talk later about compensation or okay. other things like that. All okay. right. Hey, have a great day, Dr. Fox. Thank you very much. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Fantastic. Well, she's going to use magnetospherence. I, I think I'm that's na- great. I'm now, I may not be an insider, but I'm kicking words out for NASA. You need to trademark that term. I know. I need to right away. But you know what? We need, first need to go to a break. Absolutely. And then uh, hopefully we'll come back and learn even more about the sun. Absolutely. We're watching NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. Welcome back to NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. Well, that was a pretty neat interview with uh, Nikki Fox. Oh, she was great. I mean, she's fabulous. And, and the she, accent. Oh, I like that British great. accent. But she's very knowledgeable. She yes. knows tons about the sun. Absolutely. The thing that I have, the big question that I have, and I, I'm sure it's not a question for you, but for me, is when you think about it, all these things that's going on with the sun and satellites and everything, right. um, the average guy like me... What, is, what, else, what right. else do we need to know about the sun? I mean, I understand the technological side, but is there anything else that NASA does that we need to know about? You know, I think Franklin can tell us a little bit more about the uh, sun-earth connection. Great. What you got, Franklin? Well, as far as news is concerned, I don't have anything on my rundown. But I do have Troy Klein on the phone from the Sun-Earth right. Connection Education Forum at NASA Goddard. How you doing, Troy? I'm doing great. How are you? Pretty good. Hey, Troy, uh, you know, Blair uh, is, of course, on the outside of NASA and... Trying to get inside. Trying to get on the inside. And could you uh, kind of give 
bring them up to speed about what you do at Goddard and uh, trying to get the general public involved in learning more about space weather? I certainly can. I can give you the inside scoop. How's that? Oh, perfect. <laughs> okay. uh, I've got my note-taking tools ready. Well, we have several programs that people can get involved in, and one of them is called Sun Earth Day. And uh, that's a program that started about six years ago when we were approached by several scientists in the Sun-Earth Connection community who wanted to come up with some type of event or celebration to really let everyone know in the public and museums and schools about, about what is the sun and how in the world does the sun connect to the earth and what's space weather and all of that. So we came up with Sun-Earth Day that happens on or near the spring equinox every year, and we've been doing it for about six years now. So basically, you trumped Earth Day. We absolutely did. Not what, only Much that, bigger than Earth Day. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> What's well, much broader, let's say. Our uh, theme for this year is going to be called Living in the Atmosphere of the Sun, okay. and that's basically the scientific term for that is heliosphere, so people will probably be hearing more and more of that word as the years go by. But uh, all of the planets, including the Earth, live inside the atmosphere of the sun. The sun's influence extends way past Pluto. And we basically live in what, if you could see it, it would look like a giant uh, magnetic bubble or cocoon. We were doing some research for the show uh, on the sun, and I noticed that uh, you're involved in a, in a new program called Space Weather Action Centers. Is that kind of like forecasting? Oh, it, it's absolutely forecasting. And it's, it's done in such a way that students in any classroom with one inter internet connection can connect and set up a space weather action center in their schools. It's like a learning center with an internet connection. Actually, that's a great idea. And talk about hands-on and getting out there and doing something where you're actually involved in the education, not simply oh, right. you know, Absolutely. just reading about it, but you're actually participating, that's which right. is and fun. And it takes you outside of the science classroom. You can The English teachers can get involved, the art teachers. It's pretty cross-curricular, so I think everybody right. can have fun with that. Hey, do you have a website uh, people can go to? We sure do. It's uh, sunearthday.nasa.gov. Hey, Troy, uh, you have time to uh, answer a few email questions? I sure do. All right, well, I'll, I'll start first since I'm on the inside sure. and you're on the outside. Yeah. And, uh, if we okay. get to me, fine. All right, good. All right, so the first question is from Sven in Andenes, Norway. You know, Norway has many myths and legends about the Northern Lights and the sun. Uh, do you present any myths or legends in Sun Earth Day pr programs? Oh, we absolutely do. And as a matter of fact, that's uh, one of our key components. There's a section of our website on Sun Earth Day called Technology Through Time. And as you go through there, you'll find a series of essays, journal, uh, journal reports, and links that talk about not only technology of today, but how sun watchers throughout time are observing the sun. And myths and legends absolutely fit into that mix. But listen, I got one quick question for you. And Alex in Dayton, Ohio, actually is concerned that uh, he wants to know whether you were, you were responsible for actually moving daylight savings up to accommodate Sun Earth Day. Is that true? You know, that, that wasn't easy to accomplish, but our <laughs> webcast just got longer and longer, and we needed a few days. So. See, I, I thought that, that energy uh, answer was bogus. So it's, <laughs> I, I, I knew you guys were behind it. I think that's great. Hey, Troy, thanks for taking the time to join us today and uh, just give us an education about Sun Earth Day and all the different education programs. And I know Sun Earth Day happens not just in one day, but I'm sure it happens all year. And, yeah. and by the way, what was that uh, web address again? It's sunearthday.nasa.gov. Oh, cool. In fact, we have the site up here. It yes. uh, looks pretty neat. And yeah, uh, check good. it out. It's uh, they, Troy's done a really good job with the site. So. Hey, thanks a lot. Well, have a great day, and we'll, uh, we'll keep in touch throughout the year. Happy Earth Day. 
Sun Earth Day. Sun Earth Day. Oh, you said Earth Day. Happy Sun Earth Day to you, <laughs> Mr. President. Mr. President. <laughs> All right, uh, you're watching NASA Edge. And inside and outside, way outside the bounds, look at all things NASA. We'll be right back. <laughs> I got melodious. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. That was just strange. Welcome back to NASA Edge, an inside and outside look at all things NASA. Hey, wasn't it great to talk to uh, Dr. Fox and Troy today? They were fantastic. In fact, it's really clear that space weather is becoming more and more important. Oh, absolutely. That's why I put together a little special report. I'm leaving the comfort of my Amish exile on the desk here, and I'm heading over to the NASA Edge Space Weather Action Center. Space Weather Action Center? What's that? I didn't know we had one. Uh, this I have to see. Good evening. I'm Blair Allen with the NASA Edge Space Weather Action Center with a brief yet interesting and important look at all things space weather. The sun, what can I say? Blazing hot, 5,800 degrees Kelvin, all week, every week. But on the good side, it is a dry heat. So like there's no humidity? That's right, Franklin. No humidity, which is a good thing. So does the temperature on the surface of the sun change? Actually, that's a good point, Chris. There are seasons on the sun. So in one sense, I guess you could say the 5,800 degrees Kelvin could be considered spring-like conditions. However, winter, spring, summer, or fall, you pretty much burst into flames if you're on the surface. <laughs> oh, how, how did these get in here? Ah, ah yes, oh, that, there we go, thank you. This is interesting. This is why I had a failure with my GPS experiment. This is what I like to call a class five CME, coronal mass ejection, or as really cool scientists say, a solar storm. I'm sorry, did you say class five CME? Uh, yes, that's correct. What the heck's a class five CME? I, actually, I've, I developed my own classification system based on the size of the JPEG images. So this is your own non-scientific classification? Precisely. <laughs> <laughs> Please continue. Okay, anyway, the sun bolts or solar storm actually impact our everyday lives here on Earth. Yes, there we go. The radiation travels from the sun through the heliosphere to our planet. It is this radiation that can cause problems with the ISS, the space shuttle if it's flying, global communication satellites, global positioning satellites, and yes, even our beloved magnetosphere. All right, so what kind of problems does this create? Please be patient. I'll get to that. I hope you get to that point faster than the three days it takes for the radiation to make it to our planet. We have a tough crowd here at the NASA Edge Space Weather Action Center. I'm getting there. Essentially, the radiation bombards our magnetosphere, causing varying degrees of magnetosphereance. Nice. Magnetosphereance. That's my own word, yeah. Used with permission, of course. Uh, all right, Webster, so what's your five-day outlook? Uh, sorry, Chris. The high magnetosphereance rating actually indicates high degrees of radiation impacting the ISS. Or the shuttle. Or satellites. There we go. Satellites. Or GPS satellites. Um, causing all kinds of technical difficulties. Okay, Webster, so why is this important to the average NASA Edge viewer? Well, personally, I wouldn't want to rely on GPS to help navigate during high levels of magnetosphereance. 
Uh, my recent debacle in the Dismal Swamp, I believe, speaks for itself. You also don't want to forgo a liberal use of sunblock during high levels of magnetospherence. Uh, that's an excellent point, Franklin. In that case, I wouldn't burn. I would actually combust. That's kind of interesting. Yes, Chris, it's very much like those commercials that have people using cell phones where someone is saying something very significant and important and the other person can't hear a word they're saying. I don't know if that's exactly how it works, but those ads really capture the essence of magnetospherence. Hey, thanks, Blair. Now, you actually did a pretty... Or maybe you'll be here. Hey, uh, thanks again. That's all the time we have for now. Uh, Visit our website and keep those emails coming. You're watching NASA Edge, an inside and outside look at all things NASA. So what were you saying? Am I still a co-host? I have to receive.